That would be good. Okay. So, thank you. You want me to? Sure. If yeah, if you could be the the host, I don't think anyone else is going to be getting on. Um, just in case. First Timothy. First Timothy chapter four is where we are. You're in control now. Thank you, sir. You're in control. All right, First Timothy chapter 4. Uh, we finished up last week talking about the fact that uh, as Paul is instructing Timothy and in how the local church is to be organized, instructing him as to how it is to be operated, uh, how they ought to behave themselves in the house, house of God, one of the things that he goes on to do is he instructs him as being a, a true teacher in verse 6, uh, talking about how the bodily exercise profits little. And I remind you, he didn't say that bodily exercise doesn't profit at all. It just says very little. And so I think it is important that we try to keep ourselves in shape. We, you know, we exercise, we eat right, but I really am... Uh, thankful that uh, uh, first aid is in the scripture. For bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable into all things. That is what we're to concentrate on. How we live our lives, how we direct uh, our lives in order to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. But godliness is profitable into all things having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. You know, I find that verse interesting because I find all the verses interesting, but I find that, that verse that's interesting having the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Uh, Sometimes we stay focused on the one that is to come and we're excited about the benefits of heaven and all those that have placed their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to go there. And eternity is, is our, our future home. Eternity awaits. We've been sealed into the day of redemption. Our, our, secure, our, our salvation is secure in Christ. We've been sealed into the day of redemption. All those glorious scriptures that, that guarantee that, that, that life to come, that eternal life that, that comes, that to come. But also in this verse, one of the things that I've discovered you know, in, in our life and in the life of believers, not to say that difficulty and hard times and, and hurts and pains do not come to believers, but when you strive to live a godly life, 
It kind of keeps you out of trouble. Do you notice that? Amen. Yes. Living a life that where you de you're desiring to please God and live for Him, uh, it's going to keep you out of a lot of difficulty, out of a lot of trouble. For godliness is profitable, profitable unto all things, having the pro promise of the life that now is. And I think when you live a sanctified life and sanctification has to do with separation uh, there's two aspects of sanctification there's the aspect where God sanctifies us he makes us holy we're holy in Christ we're righteous in Christ he separates us and places us in the body where he wants us but there's also the aspect of sanctification where it's come out from among them and be a separate that be holy even as I'm holy so there is that willful aspect of sanctification where we desire for God to use us and live our lives that's glorifying to Him. Isn't sanctification so, a lifelong event? It's something that we I, I, I think the second aspect of it is that sanctification is a, an ongoing process. The sanctification that God does, look at First, first Thessalonians chapter 5. Look at First, Th first Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 23. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. That means to set apart. And pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calls you who also will do it. Do what? Preserve you blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He, sanctification is a work of God. He separates you. He sets you apart. He sanctifies you. He justifies you. He glorifies you. All of those are works. He redeems you. Your, every, every aspect of your salvation where it be the sanctification, the redemption, the, the justification, the glorification. Every aspect of your salvation is the work of God, including the setting you apart for His service, making you holy. So there's that aspect of sanctification. There's the part that God does, and there's the part that... that uh, growing in faith. Growing in faith, growing in Christ, growing in understanding of His Word as walking in the Spirit. Uh, that, that is what Galatians talks about that we are to do. Because 11 months ago, I feel, I feel changed when I first walked into these doors. Amen. I'm, I'm growing. So this is kind of a it, sanctification itself. It's, it's the Word of God. And, you, and you're growing and being... What, what God's Word does, and we need to understand, is it's God's Word that separates us and causes us to feel... Thy word have I hid in my heart. I know I quote this verse a lot. But thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And that's what the word of God does. It's living. It's alive. It's, these are not... It's inspired. It's God's inspired, infallible, plenary, which means it's, it's complete. There's, there's nothing lacking. It's alive. And when we read it, the Holy Spirit that lives within us identifies that fact that the Word of God uh, is alive. We have 
There are two ways that God has revealed Himself to us. The written Word, the written Word, and the living Word. And in order to know God, you've got to know the living Word for sure. And who's the living Word? Jesus. Christ Jesus. And the written Word, you've got it right here. And thy Word, if I hid my heart that I might not sin against thee, uh, I think I've asked you this question in the past, and the answer is always affirmative. Um, you do something you know you shouldn't do, and the convicting power of the Holy Spirit comes on you. It, it happens, right? Yeah. So that 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 just shows you what that the Holy Spirit is using God's Word to move and and to grow you. Uh, that's why it's important for believers uh, to mature in Christ. To go from the milk of the word, which is important. The milk of the word is important, but you want to move from the milk of the word to the meat of the word. Yep. And you get those spiritual teeth so you can you can you can feast on the physical word and so that you can understand. That's one of the reasons that you know we try to emphasize uh, church attendance. You know, not because that it's going to make you, make, it's not going to, here's the thing, it's not going to make God love you anymore just because you showed up. Right. You know, because you show up at church, God doesn't say, oh, take notice. Uh, Les, Les is back there, you see him, he's the third man from the, yeah. God doesn't do that. See, God already loves you with a perfect love in Christ. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. God could not love you anymore that He did the moment He saved you because He loves you in Christ and you're in Christ. Uh, what attending church and studying His Word does is it causes you to grow and you love God more. I'm going to tell you, and usually people reason I'm right this, but you don't have to love God to be saved. You don't have to love God to be saved. Matter of fact, a lost person can't love... When the moment I trusted Christ as my Savior, I, I was thankful for my salvation. I knew I needed to be saved. But that falling in love with Him and learning about Him came as I studied His Word and realized the full extent of what He did for me. See, I, I knew I was a sinner. I just didn't know how big of a sinner I was until you get into God's Word. And so... You, People say, well, I'm going to wait until I'm better. You're never going to be any better. And, and, I, it's, and, and people that come to Christ come to Him because they... Well, me, for instance, I, I was afraid I was going to die and go to hell. Matter of fact, I knew that I was going to die and go to hell. I had no idea what I needed to do to be saved. Uh, until some guys on our football team shared the gospel with me. You know, and it just made all the sense in the world. Other people had said things. They had watered. Uh, they had planted. But it was God that gave the increase that moment. And I knew that I was going to die and go to hell. But then when I heard I didn't have to because Christ had taken my sin dead upon himself and he died for me and, I, and he rose again. He's buried. What a, what a glorious gospel uh, that is, but I didn't. I didn't love God. Do now, I loved Him 
a short time after that and was thankful. But if you wait until you love God, your fallen natural man can't love. Matter of fact, what does the scripture say? Scripture says that you're, you're enemies with God. There, there's an enmity between you and God but on man's part. In the moment that you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were sanctified by God. You were justified by God. You were glorified by God. Already. All, all of those things, all of those things, seated in, the, seated in Christ in the heavenlies that very moment. So, verse 9. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. In other words, Paul's saying, hey, this is true, believe it. That's what he's saying here. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. Not just the elect. God, as we've talked about before, God has not elected some to be saved and some to be lost. He hasn't chosen some to be saved, and so they really have no choice that God is going to basically quicken them. He's going to, he's going to save them before He saves them. Um, he's the Savior of all men. That does not say that all men are going to be saved. We need to understand the difference. There are those that reject God's offer of salvation that's to all men. Christ is, God is in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. From God's perspective, whosoever will, let him come. But what does man do? Reject, reject, reject. Which is the craziest thing in the world, as far as I'm concerned. But that's what they do. So uh, this is the scripture is not saying that that all that everybody's going to be saved. This is not teaching universal reconciliation. Um, what it's saying is that Christ died for all men. That's what it's saying, especially those who believe, those who get saved. I mean, yeah, he died for all men, but he really died for those who, by faith, faith trusted. Can I say something? Sure, but speak up really loud. I don't know if that's working. You'd think everybody would want the free stuff. Well, salvation's free. Take it. Yeah, there you go. People don't want free stuff. Well, they love their folly without thinking about the consequences. Life is short. The brevity of life is like that. A mere flash. Yeah, it just... It surprises me why why people reject, and then they'll talk about the fact that well we just we just don't believe that a loving God is going to send anyone to hell. I can't believe that anyone would reject a loving God. That just doesn't make any any sense. And to he me. has the right to reject us if we reject him. Well, hey, and and. That day is coming. Depart from me, for I never knew you. I mean, that that day is coming. Um, one of these days, we're going to do a study here on election versus free will, uh, predestination, 
Uh, we're we're going to do a study probably when we get through with uh, second. Well, get through with Titus. We, we probably will. You know, do the, a study on that. First of a lot of people do not understand predestination. It only means that God is an eternal God. And he already knows who's going to be saved and who I isn't. With that. But, but, but I think predestination has to do strictly only with believers. Predestination, every, every believer, when you study predestination, every verse that talks about predestination, uh, predestination has to do with what God has foreordained God has foreordained that every person who by faith is believed is foreordained, predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Before birth? Yeah. No, yeah. no after, you're, after you're a believer. No, 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 no. You're getting to election. And you're getting your well, predestination. No. Slap it out of me. Yeah, no, slap pre, it out of me. Yeah, predestination <laughs> only pertains okay. to believers okay. in Christ. Okay. Predestination has nothing to do with a moment before you become to know Christ. Once you become a child of God, predestination, you are predestined by God not to be saved, but to be conformed to the image of His Son. Being confident of this one thing, Philippians 1.6 tells us, that He who's begun His work in you will perform it. Yes, He knows the beginning from the end. He, he knows all that. Beginning. But it's so much more than just knowing what's going to happen. Uh, before the foundation of the world, God knew, God chose, God elected to use the church, the body of Christ, as his instrument, as his vessel to, to connect himself to fallen man. And so that, that issue... It, God did before the world began go, that Patty Anderson, I'm going, I'm going to save her. Uh, that, I'm not going to save him. I'm not going to save... Yeah, God, but, but before the foundation of the world, in the mind and heart of God, before He created the world, uh, God knew what He was going to do in order to reconcile what man was going to do, including in the garden. Yeah. I was just going to say, a loving God wouldn't force you to be with him for all of eternity if you didn't love him. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And, and God doesn't pick winners and choosers. I mean, uh, winners and losers. It's it's something that... Is that a free will thing? Yeah, God oh, absolutely. It's a free will thing. Well, I don't want to get too much into, into this, but we, when, when, when we're going to do this study. We're going to talk about the garden. And Adam and Eve, and God creating and giving Adam one one law: mm -hmm. uh, Do not eat through the knowledge of good and evil. One just law. One. One. Just one. Just one. one. Just one. But Adam had a free will. Adam had a free will. Uh, if he didn't have a free will, and we have a free will today to, to by faith trust. Uh, if Adam didn't have a free will, robots. What? Robots. Yeah, then we're robots, and God, sin originated with God. And that's not what God's Word says, that by sin, by man came sin, not, not but, by but God. But to have their will, we have to be without law to have free will, correct? Say that again? To have, to, to have free will, 
we, to have free will sans law, basically. We shouldn't have, we shouldn't have the uh, under law with being subject free. to free will. Well, and fortunately, we're not under the law. We're under grace, grace. Yeah. which is free will. Yeah. Yeah. Do whatever you want. You can accept them or you're not. Burn him down. That's okay. Verse 11. Yep. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth. Basically, he, he's telling Timothy, Timothy, don't do stupid things. Uh, don't do stupid, youthful things uh, that could make man criticize you. Uh, don't make, be wise. Let no man despise thy youth. Don't, don't do anything that people could bring accusation against you. It's really what, he, what Paul is telling Timothy there. But be thou an example. And the last part of this verse really explains that. But be you an example of the believers. <coughs> Timothy was a young man. Timothy, don't do anything that can cause people to go, did you see what that young whippersnapper did? Do you see what that foolish young man did? Paul is saying, look, trust God, be, be wise, be wise. But be thou an example of the believers in word, in your manner of life, in your love for one another, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Well, that's every preacher. That, remember, Paul's writing to this young preacher at Ephesus, and the city of Ephesus was extremely carnal extremely sinful and Paul is giving him some wise instruction uh, via the Holy Spirit that's the Holy Spirit that's moving that's inspiring Paul to write that but for him to be an example how? in word in manner of life, in love in spirit, in faith and in purity till I come Timothy, till I come Give attendance to reading, to extort, uh, exhortation, to doctrine. How important it is that a pastor understands the importance of study, Bible study, uh, doctrine. Ba basically, what is doctrine? I, I, I've heard people say, well, we need more practical sermons and not so much on doctrine. Uh, teaching practi practicality is doctrine. Doctrine is what you teach. Doctrine is what you believe. I, would, I will never teach, preach or teach a sermon that is not doctrinal. That's not doctrinally correct. Because what doctrine means is teaching. Um, teaching what God's Word tells us. Teaching the, the faith. And again, that article is, is dominant through this, this letter to Timothy talking about the faith. And the faith is what we believe. The faith is what the Word of God teaches. Uh, the faith is that thing that Timothy uh, was to guard, that precious deposit, that same thing that had been, that had been, uh, that Paul had been charged with. He's charging Timothy with guarding that precious deposit, the truth of the mystery. Uh, rightly dividing the word of truth. All of that is, is part of that. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery, or the, 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 the elders. 
the, the bishop, uh, the same uh, the bishop was overseers, elders, um, were, were, the, were the leaders of the church. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Uh, the word profiting, really your progress, that as going back to growing in Christ, you know, you, you meditate on these things, you study on these things. Timothy, basically you're in a, a, a city that is so sinful. You need to concentrate on the Word of God. You need to concentrate, meditate on these things that Paul is directing him, uh, not, not only so that he would grow, but that people would see what he is going through and that they would, they would see his progress. This man is growing in the Lord. This man is becoming a tremendous pastor. Remember we talked about when, when we're finished with Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy, we're going to go to 2 Timothy. And when we're done with 2 Timothy, we're going to go to Titus. And part of what we're going to do between Timothy and Titus is uh, do a comparison between Timothy and Titus. And the best, best comparison I know is Paul writing to the church at Corinth, who was the most carnal of carnal churches. And Paul, it, 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 was, it was a tough ministry there in Corinth uh, for the Apostle Paul. And, but Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he tells that church, do not scare Timothy. Do not scare Timothy. He writes to the church in Corinth about Titus. And what does he say? Don't let Titus scare you. So you look at these two men. You've got Timothy and Titus. Church in Corinth, don't scare Timothy. Church in Corinth, don't let Titus scare you. Big difference. And we're going to learn quite a bit on, on both of those, those men. But guess what? Both men are being used of God in a powerful, powerful way. And we learn from those instructions that uh, Paul gave to this, to this man. Verse 16, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. There he, go, there he goes again. You think doctrine was important. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. He talked about the faith, the things that we believe. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now, let's explain that verse, because I've had people say, you mean if we study the Word of God, um, that'll save us? No, only the finished work of Christ saves us when we do what God says to do, and that's believe that He died for our sins, was buried, and rose again. We believe the Gospel, and we're saved. There's nothing we have to do in order to be saved. But it says, in doing this, by taking heed to yourself and into, into the doctrine and continuing them, you, you're going to save both yourself and them that hear thee. What's he talking about? You have to understand the word save, salvation, can also talk means deliverance. And in this verse, when you take it in context, it has to do deliverance, salvation from the effect of the apostasy that was taking place. It was very strong during this. 
take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this, you're, you're going to deliver yourself and them that hear you from the apostasy that was already happening. Part of that apostasy were those dirty, rotten Judaizers that were coming up from Jerusalem preaching another gospel that Paul warned the Galatians about. If any man come, if anyone preaches any other gospel except what we've preached unto you, let him be accursed. Again I say unto you, if any man preach any other gospel than what we've preached unto you, let him be accursed. It's important we understand that during this transition period, there was another gospel being proclaimed. Now, usually people freak out because we don't preach but one gospel today, and that's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's the gospel that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15. But there was a time when the kingdom gospel was being preached. And the what does gospel mean? Good, good news. news. The good news of the kingdom was that the Messiah was coming. He was going to establish his kingdom. That all the blessings and privileges that had been promised to Israel were going to be realized. And that was good news. If you were a Jew, uh, Paul, uh, the Lord Jesus tells, tells the disciples in Matthew 4, uh, 24 that uh, concerning the last days, concerning the tribulation period, uh, that, uh, that the gospel, that the good news of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom uh, shall be preached into all the world and then shall the end come. Well, that gospel of the kingdom is not the same as the gospel of the grace of God, which we preach. What Peter and the twelve, or Peter and the eleven, preached was the gospel of the kingdom. It was the gospel of circumcision. Paul preached the gospel of uncircumcision. Um, the gospel of circumcision, now that Israel is blinded and set aside, now that uh, Israel has been temporarily set aside, that gospel of circumcision is not being proclaimed. The good news is that the Messiah is going to come and set his throne up uh, and believe that and you'll be saved. What you have to do to be saved today is believe, not that the Messiah is going to come back and establish his throne. God's word says you have to believe that Christ, who is the Messiah, what is what, what Christ means, that he died for you, was buried, and rose again. And when you believe that, you are saved. That's, that's the good news of the grace of God. That's the gospel of the grace of God. And so, uh, I'm not sure how I got off on that, but boy, that's good. Write that down. Uh, so anyway, you're going to save yourself and them that hear thee from the effect oh, of the apostasy that was already happening. Second uh, Timothy when we get there, Paul is going to tell young Timothy, all those of Asia have forsaken me. Didn't, didn't say that he, they've forsaken the Lord. But all those of Asia have forsaken me. Uh, I, I think the grace message was already starting to be lost before Paul was martyred. Because of these Judaizers, they were already mixing grace and works before Paul ever was martyred. 
and the work saying, and works for Israel, works were necessary. Repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Circumcision. Uh, when, when you look back and you see all the things that Israel had to do in order to appease God, keep, keep the law. Kill your rocks. Yeah, do uh, all, all of that. Here, I can't see this. If, Killing an ox. It's, it's, all, it's all grace. I have a question about another verse. I'll say it so they can hear me. Yeah, say it. What about the verse about, couldn't that last verse also apply to um, that faith comes by hearing, specifically hearing the word of God? Sure, but I don't think that's, and that's true, that faith comes by, you know, in other words, for someone to be saved, what do they need to hear? They need to hear the word of God and that truth of the gospel. If, if somebody is not just going to go, hey, I, I need to believe that Jesus died for my sins. Until they hear the word of God and, and hear the gospel, they're not going to be able to, to, to believe that Christ died for their sins. They may be good people. They may want to do right. They may want to, to be nice and good. But until they hear the gospel, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But I think this save thyself and them that hear thee. Um, yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying there. That it, that part of that's what uh, I thought you were going to say. Roman, yeah. Romans late at eleven through eight through ten says it too. But what saith that the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and thy heart? That is the word of faith which we preach. You know, then it goes on to confess with thy mouth a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but it does Romans say, 10. yeah. Yeah, it's, in Romans 9, 10, and 11, addressed to the nation of Israel, as an explanation as to what's happened to the nation of Israel. Uh, see, Timothy was already saved, though, Janet. That's the, uh, that save thyself and them that hear thee. Uh, I think it covers a much broader I think it covers the aspect of the Judaizers and those that were teaching false doctrine based on the context to stand against those issues because Satan is just so wily and if he can corrupt the word of God. See, Satan does not mind people being religious. Matter of fact, I think he loves for people to be religious. He loves for people to be spiritual. Uh, that's the reason the New Age movement so is, is so, so big. Um, what he hates is the church. And what it stands for is God's amazing grace. Yeah, one, of, one, of, one of the definitions of I'm not that sure. doesn't work. It's not, I don't think it's working, but we can try. Okay. One of the definitions of salvation, you go back to the base word, S-O-Z-O, it means that you're rescued from danger. And the danger would be the Judaizers. Judaizers, oh, those false teachers coming in. Yeah. So you, you want to be saved from... They're complaining online that they can't hear. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Same song, second yeah. verse. So anyway, next verse. We're, we've got to get this fixed. Tell them I've got the mic on. If they have a question to let you know, then you can let me know. Could they hear you when you? No, I'm not. I'm not hear you. No, when you were here. Uh, pretty much, but I'm loud. Yes, yes you are. 
verse 5. I mean, chapter 5. Moving right along. We're almost done with, with 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father and the younger men as brethren. The elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. Basically how we are to treat one another. The elder women, the older men, uh, the young people, it, it is with, uh, with love and affection. Philippians 2 says, let each esteem others better than themselves. There should never be an argument or disagreement within the church that divides the church, the body of Christ. Should never be. Matter of fact, one of the reasons we observe the Lord's Supper is that we do show the Lord's death until He comes. It's a memorial, but it's also uh, demonstrating the unity of the body of Christ. Uh, there were divisions there, and Paul's instructing them to observe the Lord's Supper uh, in order to quit those divisions. Some would bring a big dinner and they would feast and the others didn't get to uh, enjoy and get to participate and there was a divisiveness there uh, about that, uh, over that. But, but here it's how the believers are to uh, behave around one another, uh, loving one another, let each person esteem the other better than themselves. If you do that, if you do that, you're not going to have an argument. You're not going to have an argument. Honor widows that are widows indeed. And kind of have uh, requirements for how the church was helping out the widows of, of, of the church. Now, I tell you that I, I do believe that things are a little different today. I don't think Maybe it, it's, it's not the best uh, for it to be this way. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think it's, it's not for government to step in and pretty much take over the role of what the church used to do. You can, remember, you can believe uh, and imagine how much more authority and, and uh, influence the church would have if it cared for the widows and the orphans and, and all the way they, they used to, especially here in, in Paul. They didn't have the Social Security. They didn't have Medicare. They didn't have all of that now. Uh, so the, the people that needed help, they, the churches, one of the church's functions was to, uh, was, was to help. And that had a tremendous influence on those that- uh, There were nursing homes that they, they didn't have nursing homes. Mm -hmm. well, as a matter of fact, it kind of addresses that. Honor the widows that are widows indeed. That word indeed is important because you've got to make sure that they are widows and uh, not freeloaders because you would get freeloaders. You would oh, get people that would show up that were, that were, that were liars. Verse 4, but if any widow have children or nephews or descendants, relations, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable for God. Amen. What is God's 
Social Security program, families take care of your own. That, uh, that, and that's, how, that's how it's supposed to be set up. Because the church would then have such an important influence, but today, with the government doing it, the government can withhold, you know, you don't want to get me started, but the government <laughs> can withhold or threaten to withhold or control how a person votes with that, with that, with that money. Why do you think they want to increase all this? Why do you think they want? Yeah, you. It's it's all about buying votes. And when a government, when a government controls that welfare, uh, you're going to have problems. Not to say that the church didn't abuse it at some points during history. But I think it did. Uh, but not, but but not when you do it the way God has it set up. Hmm. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate, trusts in God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. Those that were self-indulgent, you know, I, I think this is talking about those that were abusing the offer of the church to to help them and to do things that. That, that they were needing. But Paul is, from a bird's eye view, from Paul's knowing what's going on in Ephesus, and you, under, you need to understand that there were, men had multiple wives. Wives, it, it, was, it was evil situation uh, that, that had been established, and living in sin uh, was not uncommon, sort of like today. But not uncommon. And these things give in charge, or these things give as a commandment that they may be blameless. Tell them that if they have family, let the family take care of them. If they have children, listen, church, if they have children, don't you take them on as a welfare project. You know what? Me and my husband and his sister took care of his mother and father until they died. Good. And we all worked 40 hours, but we worked in shifts, and it worked out. That's what, that, what to me, that's, that's the biblical way he was in a of doing it. But if any provide not for his own, and especially, oh, but if any, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. Now, we probably only have time to get into this one verse before, and then next week we'll finish up the other. But this is a very dispensational verse. We need to understand that this, at this point, Paul is instructing the church in Ephesus to do something different than under the kingdom program. Under the kingdom program, what had the Lord told the disciples? Take no thought. Well, look, let's read it. Just don't take my word for it. Look at Matthew chapter 10. Under the kingdom program, or actually uh, under the, the tribulation that was coming. Huh? When they were getting ready for the tribulation. We're, we're getting ready for the tribulation. Cool it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Huh? Cool it all. Ah, yeah, and they're holding Common. That's the reason why in Acts 4 they sold everything. What did Christ tell the disciples? Sell 
sell everything they have, give it to the poor. But that's not, that's in Luke 12. Uh, that's the reason they did that in Acts chapter 4. They were preparing for the tribulation. Uh, wouldn't be a bad thing for those that are preparing for the tribulation to do now. Uh, fortunately, we're going to be raptured out and not have to endure that. But uh, chapter 10, Matthew? Start, yeah, Matthew. Matthew chapter 10. Look at verse. Let's start with verse 19. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not you that speaks, but the Spirit of your Father which speaks in you. This is to the twelve as they were preparing for the tribulation. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. When's this? During the tribulation. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. The end of what? Tribulation. The tribulation. Okay, by the way, we're already more than what? Overcomers. We're already more. In the word overcomer, conquerors, we're already more than conquerors through him that loved us. We're, we're in Christ. But during the tribulation, they have to endure into the end in order to be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee into another. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man become. And the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. Uh, look at verse 26. Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. And what you hear in the ear, that preach you upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear them which be able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a fathering? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But every hair on your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. Whatsoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my father which is in heaven. By the way, that's Revelation 2.10. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Now, keep that in mind. Look at Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6. Start with verse 25. Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Mm. Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto a statue? And why take ye thought of for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and they Toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, 
If God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall ye not so much more clothe you, O ye little faith? Basically, Christ told the disciples when they went out, don't take one coat, don't take change, just you go trusting. Verse 32, for after all these things do the Gentiles see, for your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You take those two scriptures, two passages with Luke chapter 12, where the Lord tells the disciples to sell everything you have, give it to the poor in Acts chapter 4 that's exactly what they're doing is they were going to trust God during that tribulation during that day of the Lord that's coming you contrast that with what Paul is saying here but if any provide not for his own and especially those of his own house he that denied the faith is worse than an infidel um Proverbs 6 says, consider, consider the, the, the ant. I mean, it's the, the two different instructions, two different, uh, if you don't care for your own, you're worse than an infidel. Uh, but during that kingdom, is that, that kingdom opportunity was about to present itself, they had different instructions. They weren't supposed to care. If, if a man, don't say, let me go bury my parents, uh, you you go follow me. Uh, you once he's you've set your hand to the plow. No looking back. What do those scriptures mean? Is God being unmerciful? Is he being evil? Is he being cruel? No, he's he's describing a situation and what it's going to be like during the tribulation process. And that other part about the wives hating, uh, or the children hating the parents, the parents hating. All of that is going to be during the tribulation. So, Thanks all right. For clarifying it, that. Thank you. Yeah. I was always I thought about that. I, 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 I was back was confused. All right. Thank you. Okay. Linda has a question. I'm going to read it. Okay. It's Let me read it. Okay. Right okay. there. Okay. Is there a difference between If you teach salvation by grace and love is it a doctrinal error? If you teach salvation by grace and love and and miss out on the doctrine okay so oh, 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 oh no I, I got you I got you. If, if you teach uh, like a church teaches grace and they teach they teach love one another there's a lot of uh -huh. churches that do that yeah. they and if they're not doctrinally correct then oh I, I think there are a lot of churches if as long as they teach and preach the gospel if, if a church tells someone, here's what you need to be, you need to do to be saved. You need to believe that Christ died for your sins, he was buried, and he rose again. And by faith you believe that he did that for you, and, and by faith you believe that, I think that person is taken by the Holy Spirit and placed into the body of Christ and sealed there to the day of redemption. Unfortunately, and I think this is what you're talking about, unfortunately, they'll say, okay, now you need to do this. Uh -uh. To make you more saved? No. Now you need to do this to... That's doctrinal error. If, if they add anything 
to the gospel of the grace of God, it is in error. And that's why so many people are, are confused. Right. Uh, it's because if a, a person, uh, if a person hears the gospel and they walk outside, they, they hear the gospel here, they walk outside and a car comes down the road and splat, they're dead. Well, that person is, is saved. He didn't, he didn't know anything about the doctrine of eternal life. He didn't know anything about rightly dividing the word of truth. He didn't know anything about the mystery. He, he knew zilch other than Christ loves him, right. Christ died for him, and, 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 and he believed. Well, let's say he didn't get hit by a, a car, and he comes back the next Sunday, and he's, he's saved. He's heard the gospel, but then they start adding works to his lifestyle. Uh, works, well, you have to do this to pacify God. You have to do this to make God love you more, where they, and they call those sacraments. Uh, we don't teach sacraments because a sacrament is nothing but uh, a vehicle to make to satisfy God, to make God love you more. Uh, you, God can't love you any more than He can't already love you does. Any less and He loves you. He loves you in Christ, and is, that's with a perfect love. Is okay. that what Jesus meant when He said, "If they're not against us, they're for us"? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think that's that's a real good point. What was the answer? Okay, turn to Philippians, and, and I think. I think this verse answers that question that you, you've asked, uh, I think, before, Linda. Uh, then we'll be done. Philippians chapter 1. What did Linda say? Uh, there, if you're not for us, you're against us. Okay. If you're against us... If you're not against us, you're, you're for us. If you're not against us, you're for us. They were complaining about... Uh, I was just letting the people on. All right. Just right. say it to the people on. But here, here's the verse, I think, that, that answers that. Um, look at verse to start with verse 12 but I would that you should understand brethren that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel so the suffering he's experienced look at 13 so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace, in, in all other places. He's in prison. He's in a Roman jail uh, connected to the emperor's palace. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident in my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bond, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel, what then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therefore do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Why? Because Christ is being preached, and God's going to use that to glorify himself. Well, now, does that mean that they're in the body of Christ? Sure, I think it does. Yeah, I, if they've believed the gospel. Okay. I, I think so. Even though they're not pure doctrinally. I, even though they're not pure doctrinally. Yeah. So you'd be yeah, ignorant I, of the doctrine, but believe that he uh, died. As long as you believe, and I go around and around and around with people who just 
they want to win it to the point that it, we're more important than anybody else. Yeah, yeah, and that just drives me crazy. If a person had believed that Christ died for their sins, was buried, if they believed the gospel, that very moment, or, or did God say, well, let's see how this is going to turn out. Let's see what they're going to believe next. That don't happen. So, All right. You're dismissed. That was fun. And make sure everyone tells Tess that you're glad to see her uh, here tonight. Did she leave? Huh? Oh, well. Go catch her. There you go. A few layers. What if we made it like 30 minutes longer? I know, right? Yeah.